Welcome to Books and Bisexuals, where we talk about books that we've read or that we loved and wherever our neurodivergent brains take us. I'm Brianna. I'm Nikki. All right. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> do the same thing. All right, all right. <laughs> we were just talking about what is oh Owen God. Wilson. Owen Wilson. Because I went, um, wow. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I said, I wow. Oh, and I was like, wow. <laughs> and then we started talking about that TikTok where somebody's taken outcasts. Is it Outcast or is Who it is Black it? Eyed Peas? Black Eyed Peas. Somebody. But it's the song that goes, all right, all right, all right. I can't yeah. even fucking say it right. <laughs> but they insert Ma- Matthew McConaughey saying, all, all right, right, all right, all right. So we kept saying that. Yeah. Um, it is a snowy morning. Unexpectedly um, snowy morning. I didn't. I don't. Okay. I don't look at the weather. I do. Um, it's just how I be. It's fine. Andrew doesn't either. But like I do. And I looked at the weather yesterday and I was like, oh, like we're supposed to get like less than a centimeter overnight. It's going to be. But it was at least five. Yeah. Um, so I was running late already because I didn't want to wake up this morning. You know. <laughs> morning. How life. I get it. You know. Yeah. But, and I stayed in the shower, like, extra long because it was warm. Mm, but yeah. then I looked at the window and I was like, ah, oh, shit, because I have to clear the car. Mm. And, yeah. So I texted and I was like, hey, I'm a little late. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew's in the bathtub right now and it was filling up just before you got here. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I want to be in the bath. Yeah. It's so warm in the bath. Yeah. It. Um. I have this thing with showers and, like, baths and stuff where, like, and the lead up to doing it, I don't want to do it. Oh, you know but what I mean? once like, you're in. But once I'm in, I don't want to get out. Nope. I've literally, there have been days where I'm in the shower and I have to yell for Andrew or I'm like, I'm stuck. I can't, he, I I can't, can't get, get out. out. <laughs> and he has to come in and shut the water off because yeah. I physically can't shut the water yeah, off Yeah, I'm like, no, I'm I'm here now. This is where I live now. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know. It's going to be nine degrees and rainy on oh, Saturday. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. We're recording this late in the week. Oh, yeah. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, life. Yeah. Life happens. I still wasn't feeling great from last week. And so I took Monday and I was very, very chill. I was going to say lazy, but I was not lazy. No. You were relaxing. You were taking time to rest. Because I taught. I started back to teaching this week and I was like, okay, I just need uh nothing morning yeah before i teach because i also had makeup lessons to do so i started teaching at 145 so it would have been a very quick turnover yeah Yeah. so yeah so we're nice to just have a a chill morning yeah 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 it was funny because yesterday like they put out a casting for 22 minutes Mm -hmm. um it was for background and i was like oh i fit that range of background and i was like i can't cancel podcast again (laughs) so i didn't apply (laughs) that's fine so, mm-hmm. I um, used the last three days to uh, watch just a ridiculous amount of Castle. Oh, where are you? I'm in season seven. Yes. Now, and I feel like I'm going to give spoilers to this because Castle's been out for a while. Castle ended in 2015. Yeah. So, sorry if this is spoiling this for anyone. But so, um, between season six and season seven, Castle goes missing. Yeah. Um. Literally, like moments before their wedding, like There's, on the way on the to way the to the wedding. Yeah. And then it appears as if he's left on purpose, like if he's left of his own volition. Yeah. And that he planned it. Yeah. 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 
And um, how long is he gone for? Two months. Yeah. Yeah. So, like. And so, he comes back and Kate is just, like. Well, they find him. Yeah. They yeah. find him in the ocean. Yeah. Um, And Kate is just, like, oh, so you left on purpose. Right. Like, here's all this evidence that you left on purpose. And he's, and like. He's, like, I don't remember anything. Yeah. He's, like, Kate, I was just driving to the wedding. And, and now then I'm I woke here. up here. And she's, like, sure, bro. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, okay. sure, Jan. Yeah. Um, no, Castle, you've been missing and I, for two months. I, I was oh, crying. Me, me too. I was like, Kate deserves the entire world, and she deserves to be happy. And the fact that on her wedding day, she thought her husband, or her husband-to-be, had died? Died and or was kidnapped. voluntarily left her. So, basically, the, the thing is that, like, she finds his burning car oh, off yeah. the side of the road. In her wedding in dress. In her wedding dress. Assumes that he's dead. Yeah. Uh, then there's no body in the car, so he's like, she's like, oh, he's been kidnapped. Right. And, and then, then she finds this video of him, like, alive. No, wait, oh. wait. They go to the junkyard because they find yes, the SUV yes. that he was in. And, they, and it's as being they're walking crushed. towards it, it's getting crushed in yes. the fucking machine. And then, so she... So um, she, again, is like, Castle! He's dead, but then there's no blood found in it, so she's like, okay, he's still alive. And then Maybe. they find a video of him doing, like, a cash drop to have the vehicle crushed. And they're and like, oh, he took the money shit. out of his account before, before they were getting married. Yeah, and she thought that it was for their honeymoon. Yep. And, and then it, he said it was. And then it appears as if he was actually using it to cover up his Escape. fake kidnapping. Right. Uh, and it was just this whole thing where the whole time I was like, no, there's no way. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, knowing Castle and knowing the, the whole story, I'm like, obviously it has something to do with his dad, probably. Like, because I don't know. I haven't gotten there yet. But I'm like, it probably has something to do I'm with his dad. Anything. I don't, because his dad's like a CIA agent or something. So, like, but the entire time I was like, no, you can't. This is so sad. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I love Nathan Fillion, too. I do. So I'm just like, <gasps> the amount of um, Firefly references that they make, that they make in so this good. show. And um, in the later seasons, I, I didn't pick up if it was also in the earlier seasons, but in the later seasons, there are so many Firefly actors that just that like come are in the show as like I, guest stars. I actually made a joke to Tristan where I'm like, if you've ever worked with Nathan Fillion, he just brings you to yeah. everything he does. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because um, it was funny because have you met um, Detective Slaughter yet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, God, he looks so familiar. I was like, that's Jane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the actress who plays, um, so not Silver. Silver? No. Summer? Nope. <laughs> Frig. Oh, I've only watched it, Firefly once. And to be fair, it did get canceled like a billion years ago. Yeah, so. it, it was canceled after 11 episodes. And then they did a movie to kind of wrap. River. River. Yeah, so Summer. Yeah, so I guess Summer. Her Glau. name is Summer. But That's why. I was yeah. like, so, I think her name is Summer. Because yeah. her real life name. Right. So anyway, she shows up. And then Jewel State uh-huh. also shows up. Um, Alan Tudyk doesn't come in. Adam Baldwin is yeah. Slaughter. Marina Baccarin doesn't come in. Oh, he might. But it's just like But it's like so, so many. many of them. <gasps> he was in Firefly? I think I actually... Crowley! I think I actually did know that. His name is actually Mark Shepard. But yeah. I know him as, as Crowley. Crowley. Yeah, because I think I had watched Supernatural before, before I watched Firefly. And then I was like, <gasps> Crowley! Yeah. I think I did know that. Crowley, King of Hell. Yeah. I love Crowley. I love Crowley. Yeah. 
Um, we're at the point, so we're also watching Supernatural, and uh-huh. we're um just about halfway through, so we're in the later half of season seven, right? Um, and so this is when they introduce like Kevin as like a prophet to read the tablets, and like so Kevin Tran. I think that's where I stopped. Yeah, yeah. And so like I know that I've watched at least thirteen seasons. Okay. I don't think I watched fourteen and fifteen. Right. But so we just got to this point, and all of these people that become like really beloved and important like Kevin and Charlie gets introduced Charlie played by Felicia Day oh right and so like all these people are coming up and I'm like ah! <laughs> <laughs> and then also yeah. um the guy who plays Dick Roman um who is like the leader of Leviathans right he um also was on Castle so I took a screenshot and I sent it to Tristan and I was like Dick Roman at Castle I didn't know they crossed over like as a joke yeah so (laughs) I mean some of the episodes are you're like questioning like well okay wait a second is this a sci-fi show (laughs) we we were watching Supernatural and you know how sometimes Supernatural has like a cold open where it's just like showing you someone dying yep right so but Castle also does that. Castle does Ca- that. Yeah. Castle does it like every time. The nice thing is in the later seasons, like in the beginning, it was kind of like it they was, find a body. That was it. You it, don't and see they anything. And the so case. yeah, and like the poor the poor actor who's playing this dead person. That's all they do. Yeah. But in the later seasons, in a lot of the episodes, there's a bit more like preamble before, so yeah. you see them alive and then die and then dead. Yeah. yeah. Which I um, thought was nice. Yeah, but so we had been talking about Supernatural, and I just pressed play. Yeah. And it came up with this thing, and I was like, this is a weird Supernatural episode. <laughs> and then the castle theme, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm not watching Supernatural. <laughs> so <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Um, I just watched, like, seasons in the last few days. Yeah. So. No, I mean, I, I get that. I literally, like, Andrew and I binged the last... Three seasons of Castle yeah. so fast. And he came into watching it in like season five. So he's now starting from the beginning. <laughs> um, uh, sorry. My doctor friend texted me. Oh, and yeah. he can look at my blood test. So I'm like, ah, um, oh, not, no, not bad. Um, yeah. So, you know, lots of Castle. Yeah. I just had like three low days in a row. And like I knew that they were coming. Because I had been kind of, like, pushing myself a little bit to, mm-hmm. like, get through work. And, like, I had picked up a couple of extra shifts. And okay. we were doing um, the data entry. So the first week that um, the cyber attack had happened, our POS was completely offline. Like, we couldn't it use it a POS. at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> the way that both of us, like... <laughs> um, but... So we had to handwrite everything. Right. So um, basically what that meant was that later we'd have to put it in mm. manually. Um, and I volunteered because I like data entry. Me too. Yeah. I don't know why. I just really do. It's just, I think it's because it's so clear yeah. like what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> it was so clear. Um, I had to do some math because obviously our math wasn't great. You know, we're not a computer. Mm. Um, and we had to try and get it as close as possible to what they had actually paid. So, in some cases, that meant, like, taking off 
discounts that had been given, oh. like, from the actual POS when it was back online. Right. Um, sometimes that meant, like, giving them a discount they didn't qualify for. So, right. Right. you gotcha. know. Because it's also different times. Yeah. Different promotions. Yeah. Gotcha. So, like, the promotions and sales we have now was not necessarily what we had at the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but it was fun. It just meant, like, two eight-hour days of putting numbers in. So. Yeah. I, oh, that's one thing I really miss from investors group is like, that was the majority of my day was data entry. I love it. I was so fast on that number yes. pad. Yes. So I don't even fast. have to look. No, I didn't have to look. I and know where every number is. Yep. And we used like, like for, um, adding, adding money to different funds and stuff. Like we would use, um, a, a, a DOS system, mm-hmm. um, called SAS. And it was, Oh, it was my favorite. I it was my absolute favorite. I love it so much. I actually think that those jobs where people are like, oh, it's so boring. All I do is put debt, like put things in spreadsheets. Like I could absolutely do that job. Yeah. Yeah. Give me that job. Yeah. Yeah. I would sit in an office for eight hours just putting info into yeah. spreadsheets. There are times where I really, really miss that yeah that aspect of it right and like because like when i was done that job i went home at the end of the day Uh i i a didn't take stuff home but b wasn't allowed to like yeah my job ended when the market closed it was confidentiality and confidentiality but also like you couldn't you physically physically couldn't my job was adding like creating new accounts and adding funds to that account once the market's closed i can't do anything yeah um and so it's yeah, and I'm not taking people's checks home with me. No, um, but it was that like that part of it was yes. After four years, I was like, okay, I don't right. want to do this for the rest I'm, of my life. Yeah, like I'm done. Yeah. Um, but there are times where I'm just like, oh my god, I work twenty four seven in my brain, right? Like, yeah, I'm not, because you're constantly, constantly thinking about thinking all of the things. It. Um, so there are times that I'm like, oh my God, I really just miss the freedom like, eight to four. Yeah. That's it kind of thing. But yeah, the freedom of leaving work at work. Yeah. I work at home. So I'm always at work. at work. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm always thinking about teaching and, and writing and acting and yeah. all that stuff. It's literally always, always on my, br- on my mind. Oh, cool. My blood tests are all normal. Great. Wicked. Awesome. He even said, weird. Your blood tests are all normal. Great. Fantastic. I guess I'll make an appointment with an audiologist to check about ear crystals. Oh, yeah. I forgot that ears could do stupid things to your balance Mm -hmm. and dizziness and whatever. Yeah. Maybe. um... We had another, Tristan and I had another, you need to go to the doctor for both of us conversations where it's like, Tristan, you need to call your doctor. And he's like, I know, but I don't want to. And he's like, Brianna, you also need to call your doctor. And I was like, I don't want to. Mm. So, yeah. Part of my thing is that I just don't feel like my doctor listens to me. Which so. is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I also did a dumb dumb. What happened? I talked to my mom about potentially having ADHD. <laughs> Oh no! I did, and no. it was. I was like, "Why am I doing like?" Even as, as I was doing talking, it, yeah. I was like, "Why am I doing this?" I know she's just gonna invalidate this, and she immediately was like, "There's no way you could." Her, her thing was, you could focus on gymnastics for hours at a time, and I went, "Mom, do you know there's a thing called hyperfixation?" <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so anyway. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's always fun. And it's been one of those things where, like, I'm constantly gaslighting myself about it, where I'm like, no, like, no, you just, you know, you don't have ADHD. You don't have the symptoms. I was diagnosed with ADHD, and I was like, oh my god, did I somehow dupe the test? Did I, did I convince someone? Am I so manipulative? Right? Yeah, literally. (laughs) Am I that conniving that I was able to trick a psychiatrist doctor and a computer test into believing that I have a mental illness neurodivergency like Um, yeah so it's a thing I'm I'm past that now I'm I'm just like annoyed by it like I'm annoyed by the fact that my brain's like okay yeah this makes sense like I'll listen and I'll read things about ADHD and I'll be like oh okay yeah that makes sense I have those things totally absolutely I know they're just you know individual this is literally how my thought process goes yeah like oh yeah I have that but that's an individual symptom and then (laughs) and then I'll be like it's probably not related to ADHD I probably don't have ADHD and then I'll be like I probably do yeah I was just this endless cycle of like, yes, no. I'm not a doctor, but I've known you for a long time, and I feel very confident that Mm -hmm. you do. Mm -hmm. And then I tried to explain, but of course, like, I didn't have the data in front of me and stuff, so I tried to explain to my mom, like, um, societal pressures on girl children and the way that it's often, like, socialized in to be like interior mm-hmm. rather than like exterior, exterior like presenting around and yeah and yeah. how um inattentive ADHD is different than hyperactive ADHD and oftentimes like girls are more inattentive like not all the time but like you know and it gets missed really easily especially if you're highly intelligent and like well ding, performing, ding, ding. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and afraid of making mistakes. Woohoo! So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been just struggling with that this week because I, I knew that I shouldn't have brought it up because I know what she was gonna like. I knew ahead of time that she was gonna say that I don't. Right. Try to tell you all <clears throat> of the reasons that you don't have it. Yeah. My mom does the same thing. And so, like, I knew that I shouldn't do this because it would just hurt me. And then I did it anyway um, because I like my mom to be involved in my life. Right. Um, even when she's invalidating my <laughs> feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, it's just a bit of a struggle. And I'm also part of the struggle is that I'm worried that my antidepressants aren't working because they're not actually helping my brain you know what I mean like I feel like we we've had this conversation but we definitely have where like um I think that maybe ADHD meds would help me more than the SSRI that I'm on because because it's yes you have anxiety and depression but but it is caused by ADHD yes so yeah yeah (laughs) I know no I know like I was on antidepressants and or anti-anxiety for mm, seven, six or seven years, six yeah. years. And they just never the, really the, the, did the trick. You know, like, it's like, like um, if you have, oh, I don't know, like a broken leg and you take ibuprofen for the pain. Right. Like, sure, it's going to do something. But if you don't cast it. 
then you're not right. <laughs> going to heal. You're yeah. not going to fix no. the problem. You're going to make it worse. And not really. saying that you have to fix your problems by taking no. meds. I'm just saying that in my case, I think that my already present depression and anxiety is made worse by untreated ADHD. Yes. Yeah. But then <laughs> try try and get me to bring that up with my doctor. <laughs> no, bitch. And that's, that sucks. Yeah. Because I really think that it'll be like, nah. Listen, make a doctor's appointment. I'll be your medical proxy. I'll come with you. And I'll be like, no, no, no. You can't yeah. fucking mm. listen. You know, the um, <laughs> when Obama was in office, they had all of those like anger translator jokes. Yeah. Where, like Key and Peel would be yeah. like their anger translator. I need that. Yeah. But at the doctor's office yeah. <laughs> where I'm going like. Okay. And then someone next to me is like, no, this is not okay. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Listen to me. Yeah. Not all of my problems stem from the fact that I'm overweight <laughs> and depressed, okay? Yeah, right? So. Like, I'm more than that. <laughs> it's like my mom always says that she feels like she's a big D for diabetes on her head whenever she goes to a doctor. Is because every time she goes to a doctor for anything, they're like, ah, oh, it's oh, diabetes. diabetes. Yeah. And she's like, mm, no. <laughs> no, this started 15 years before my diabetes, but cool. Yeah. So and I'm like, yeah, I feel like I have a big old fat right across my forehead where yeah. they're like, okay, well, every, every problem you have. The reason you can't get pregnant? Fat. Right. I'm like, or... Or, or I have PCOS, which is causing me to retain weight and causing me to be infertile. So, yeah. cool. Great. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we check that out. Yeah. Did you ever have an ultrasound for your... No. No. They oh. just did blood tests, but I have not received any word about like those any blood tests. Yeah. I, not like a, your blood tests are normal. Not like a... Like, I've heard nothing about this, so... Oh, my God. <sighs> Brianna. I have to call my doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Don't what do? I know. I feel like such a little angry, like, gremlin where I'm like, you wake up. Yeah, I know. I get it. Please. <laughs> Rip it off. Rip the band-aid I off. I don't want to. I know. <laughs> but things can't get better. I know. It's I'm, like so whiny about this, too. Maybe, like, maybe <laughs> this is a terrible, like, maybe... This is, this might be a very terrible, like... Say it. <laughs> you know how, like... Because I was watching... We're watching The Resident, and one of the yeah. characters, her sister... Yeah. Is addicted to Oxy. Yeah. And, you know, like, she's trying to help her sister, and her sister's like, I'm not addicted. And, like, you know, she throws the pills on the ground, and her sister immediately... Picks them up. Picks them up. And she's and, like, oh, you're not? You're right. not addicted? Exactly. <laughs> And I'm just like, you know, like she gets to the point where she's like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And it's like, I wonder if it's just like similar where it's like, I just, I can't, I can't make the appointment. I can't do it. I can't do it. And it's like, (laughs) not saying that like, I'm like, it's not that kind of relationship where I'm like fed up or anything like that. But it's just like, yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to, do you know what I'm trying to say? I understand what you're trying to say. Okay. That's why I said. I'm like, I don't know if this is a good, but make the fucking appointment. I know. (laughs) Oh, man. Want to talk about this crazy book I read? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry for the use of the word crazy. Um, wild? Uh... Uh, okay. I know. It's like... I don't want to call it crazy because I think they're bad interpret... Like, what are the words? What is the word? 
Not interpretation. Initation? What am I trying to say? Oh my god. Connotation, thank you. I don't know. To the word crazy. Right. Um, I understand that. But this book was just I'm gonna look up a a word. Yeah, I don't even know what to say about it really. Um, Flabbergasting. (laughs) Yeah. In the way that primer melted my brain, this book also melted my brain. Yeah, see, like... What are the synonyms well, for crazy? for crazy, it's like mad, insane, out of one's mind, deranged, that sort of thing. But it's also very enthusiastic, passionate, fanatical, excited, very keen on. And it's like, those are not right for what we're... No. <laughs> with a screw loose. But again, like, these are all... Oh, like, they all have bad connotations of, like, mentally ill. And that's not what I'm trying to say. Um, Let me see. Wild. Wild. One of the author quotes, and of course I haven't told you what the book is yet, but one of the author quotes is ambitious, brutal, and brilliant. And like, yeah. Another one, gripping as righteously angry as it is horrifying. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Um, I'm just going to put this down here. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay. Um, So. Well, Nikki's looking up a word that would helpfully, hopefully. Ludicrous. Ludicrous could work. Uh, foolhardy. <laughs> this book is. Preposterous. <laughs> I would agree with that as well. Okay. Yeah. Based on what you told me, I'm like, huh. Yeah. Um, so this book is called Tell Me I'm Worthless by Alison Rumfit. Um, and I think I'm just going to read the blurb. <laughs> Three years ago, Alice spent one night in an abandoned house with her friends Isla and Hannah. Since then, Alice has lived a haunted existence, selling videos of herself for money, going to parties she hates, drinking herself to sleep. Memories of that night torment Alice, but when Isla asks her to return to the house, she knows she must go. Together, they must face the horrors that happened there, must pull themselves apart from the inside out, put their differences aside, and try to rescue Hannah, whom the house has chosen to make its own. Cutting, disruptive, and darkly funny, Tell Me I'm Worthless is a vital work of trans fiction that examines the devastating effects of trauma and how fascism makes us destroy ourselves and each other. Is it funny at any time? There Because it says, what's the thing? Darkly. Darkly funny. I did not laugh out loud at any point. I have got to say. I did not even a little nose exhale. At no point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know when you're you're looking at a meme and you're like hmm. yeah like a little like like that's funny but like at no point did I do that um <laughs> I don't know if I agree with darkly funny but also I don't know that I was the intended reader right of this book right and not in a way of like you have to be trans to read it or you have to like fascism or don't do that but why is there like a raised... i don't know but i've been feeling that this whole time oh. the book is like it's, it feels like it should be cut perfectly but then there's this like raised section when it's middle. closed and i'm like okay are those like the picture pages i know because you know? that's usually what it yeah, is but no but no it's just nothing yeah um so like the blurb says basically three friends go to a haunted house um I know, I don't Sorry, like it. Sorry, it bothers me. They go to a haunted house, and this house has stood for centuries, and basically, like, the house is also a character um, in the novel. At certain points, you get, like, oh. a whole chapter 
Because each chapter has someone's name. Right. So each chapter is following, like, a different person. Um, and the house is one of those characters. Mm-hmm. The house is called Albion, which is an old name for the UK. Um, it comes from, like, Arthurian legend. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, so the house is haunted. Uh, they, these three friends, Alice, Isla, and Hannah, go into the house, and the house keeps Hannah inside. But when the book starts, it's three years later, and you're learning about their um, their lives now. Mm-hmm. So Alice is literally haunted. She sees ghosts. Um, ghosts live with her in her house. At one point, she brings someone back to her house to have sex with them, and a ghost literally scares this person away. Um, yeah. Oh, and Alice is like, dude, come on. Yeah, and then Isla is, uh, living a kind of, like, golden life of being a turf. Like, she's literally making money off of being a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Um, and she, it's not great. Um, but basically, like, they came out of this house with two different accounts of what happened. Mm -hmm. So Alice believes one thing happened in the house, and Isla believes another thing happened in the house. Um, and the whole book is just them being pulled back to the house. Um, and it's just... I don't have words for it. Like, I literally do not know how to describe, like, the writing and the... And it's very interesting. Like, really seriously interesting. But it's also just weird. Mm -hmm. And even in the author's note, um, she says that she thanks her her publisher for taking a chance on um what she says for taking a chance on an extremely wild and gross book that i was certain was unpublishable and you know what like i get it um because it is very heavily like fascism and racism and anti-semitism like it's just really full of those dark transphobia transphobia like it's just like really really full of those things um, but it's also written in such a fascinating way. Uh, but it also puts you in that perspective of the person who is transphobic, oh, that would be fascist. So it is. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. And, like, that's the point right. of the book. Like, the book is meant to be uncomfortable. Um, I think if you like horror, you'll really enjoy this. Uh, because some of the imagery is just, like, awful. Right. Uh, I will not be reading it. It's not my style. But I did want to read a little bit of the prologue because it was just really, it really got me. So the beginning of the prologue, uh, it says, long after the house is gone, it's there. Um, They built flats, like apartments, um, because this is in the UK. So Mm -hmm. they built flats uh, where the house had stood. Mm. Um, but because they basically describe it as like the house is evil has permeated the ground so much that like no matter what you build there it's gonna be haunted right um and so they're talking about this little boy who um doesn't have any friends and is just like you know sad a sad boy um and has parents kind of suck and then so this is from the book it says 
Uh, the boy begins to Google some of the things that his dad says on the computer, which he has at his desk. He was given it for school, but barely uses it for school. Instead, he mostly uses it to search for those phrases his dad repeats under his breath when he drinks too much. My dad's right, he thinks, about these things, about the immigrants and the gays and the feminists and BLM tearing down statues, historic statues, iconic parts of our heritage. And actually, his dad doesn't go far enough. The boy discovers forums where other people, older boys and men mostly, tell him about the way the world really is. A vast conspiracy of mass immigration, of Jews in the media, of feminists, of ahistorical cultural Marxism, telling lies about the past, manipulating the youth. They're in the schools, in his school too. They're diversity hires, they're teachers asking for people's pronouns. Sometimes one of the older men asks him for pictures of himself. It seems wrong, but he sends them anyway, pictures of him naked in the grainy camera of his webcam sent to anonymous accounts. Mostly, though, they all want to stay hidden. They write out strings of slurs. They say they are going to do something. Something's coming, they tell the boy. Get ready for the storm and make sure you're on the right side. The boy thinks, well, I have to make sure I'm on the right side. I have to do something. The face in the wall twists further. The mouth gets wider. The eyes more frantic. But he doesn't have nightmares about it anymore. He doesn't wake up at night screaming. His mom and dad are happy about that, at least. Maybe their strange little boy is going to be okay. They did a good job with him, right? They're doing a good job with him, given the circumstances, given the lack of money and the shitty flat and the government and the state of the world and the way things seem to be going. They did a good job, they tell themselves. We did a good job. We're raising a good kid. We've brought up a good son over and over and over, insisting this to themselves and to anyone who will listen, repeating it until it makes them sick. And so, like, it's really beautifully written and really, like, evokes the things. Right. But it's also mm -hmm. just, like, so uncomfortable as you're reading it because, like, this is the state of the world. Mm. Those There are incel forums and fascism forums and, like, all of these things on the internet that's so easily available to children. Yeah. And especially, out like, kids who are listening to their parents say things like this. And it's just... It's horrifying in how real it is. Right. While also telling the story of a haunted house. Mm hmm And so hmm. it's really fascinating. It was a really hard book to read. Yeah. Like it, it took a week. It took a week for me yeah. to read this. And usually I'm just like, boop doo four hours later I'm done. Yeah, because it's not a long no, book. No, like it's, you know, two, 260 pages. Right. And I just... <laughs> yeah it I had to read it in three separate parts because I had to put it down like I would read it and I would just be like uncomfortable and just all the imagery would be like swirling in my brain and I'd be like okay <laughs> I need a little break <laughs> yeah but there is this really fascinating part where there it's told in two perspectives on the same page um and Nikki was like, I would hate to read oh, this. Oh, <laughs> I, when I was flipping through the book, my eyes immediately caught it because it's written in like two columns. Two columns, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is not, I don't like this. And it's, it's just really, it's a really cool way to talk about hard topics. Like, mm. because the author obviously knows it pretty intimately. And so it's just fascinating. Mm -hmm. But I, 
I'm not going to recommend this to a lot of people. Like, <laughs> I think if you are willing to read something like that, absolutely go for it. Tell me I'm worthless. Alison Rumfit. Um, it is their debut novel, but they have written some other things. Uh, it said her debut pamphlet of poetry, The Tyranny, but it's uh, T and then Y is in brackets and then Ranny. So it would be The Tranny, but The Tyranny. Oh. Um, and it says, was a critical deconstruction of Margaret Atwood's work through the lens of a trans woman navigating her own misogynistic dystopia, Whoa. which sounds fascinating. And I do want to read that. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and it, it just, it was very good in its, in what it was. Like, the fact that it was a horror mov- a movie, a horror film, film. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> a horror book, uh, and it was about fascism. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. It absolutely Nail was. Nail on the head. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be a widely popular book. That's for sure. Um but yeah but an impactful one but impactful I think I'm gonna still think about it I also said earlier that I want to read it again after Um, you've digested after I've digested a little bit I want to read it again to like just sit longer with it I think because part of (laughs) part of my reading was trying to just like get through it because I was like whoa right like really shocked by some of the things and like not in a way of like oh this is shocking that this ever happened but just like oh my god right (laughs) like Like that was a visceral yeah visceral reaction to like the descriptions descriptions of things yeah so yeah Oh. oh good job thanks um, I finished my book. Yay! Yeah, I messaged Brianna last... Well, Brianna and I were talking last night, and I was like, I still haven't finished Hateful Things. And I was like, that's fine. It took me seven days yeah. to finish this book. Yeah. But then I woke up this morning, and I was going to work out, and decided to sit and drink my coffee and yeah. finish the book instead. Um, so I did. I had like, I don't know, 40 pages left. So And they're smaller pages, so I don't think it was quite a minute a page. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but I finished it. Um... And, like, I'm so, I'm just so frustrated because the story is good. But the the, writing. Yeah, the story is so good. And, like, I love the relationship between Callan and Richard. I have Mm -hmm. since the very beginning of Wizard's First Rule and, you know, the Mord Sith. Those are the people I can remember last week. Yeah. The Mord Sith, they... Like, they're just, they're hilarious. Um, And so I'm just like, oh my god, the story is so good. But the writing is driving me up the fucking wall. Because the amount of repetition, like, within, I I told Brianna, I should have earmarked this page when I was reading it this morning. Because it was literally three separate paragraphs that all outlined the exact same thing. And, like, just described the exact same thing happening. And in another part that I read this morning, one character, like, Richard says something. He's like, I cannot say for absolute certainty that this. And then half a page later, another character says, so you cannot say for absolute certainty. And it's like, he already fucking said that. Um, Use your listening ears. (laughs) Like, come on, you're supposed to be in a crisis here. Um, 
one of the other things that I noticed earlier in the book that also bothered me, and I don't know, maybe this is like a elitist thing, but when two characters are talking yeah. and one character is talking and then the other character starts talking, what happens on the page? Usually it's, you know, a different line. A new paragraph. Yeah. This was not. I don't like that. It gets confusing. I was me. so confused. I had to read it three times to figure out, yeah. like, to, to see who was talking. I've had some of those in some books where they'll, like, have a character say something and then they'll put, like, a little bit of something else and then in that same paragraph, another character yeah. talks. And I'm like... Okay, no. Right? It's like, a new paragraph. Right. That's, like, visually, that's how you show... Dialogue. Right. And, like I said, maybe that's elitist, but I'm like, just hit the enter button. Um, and then, um, in one of the chapters, the perspective changes. Like, you're, you're a third person following one character, and mm. then all of a sudden, you're, you're hearing the thoughts of another character. And, and I'm like, like, no! What? what do you mean? <laughs> When did and, that change? Right? And so I'm just like, oh, part of my brain is just like, oh my God, how how can I keep track of this? And yeah. with like all the repetition, I was saying to Brianna as well, like, I don't know if he, cause, so it's Hateful Things by Terry Goodkind. It's like, I don't know if he is unsure where the story is going and so he's he kind of like things repeating to things fill to fill out the right like book. the way that you would talk to yourself to like try and work through a problem um maybe that's the writing style that he like the characters are trying to think yeah. through the problem i don't know if he thinks the reader is stupid <laughs> like like I know I told you this two pages ago, but I'm going to tell you again. But not even. It's like a I paragraph. Paid, I told you literally three sentences right? ago. Right? Like, and maybe unintentionally thinks the reader is stupid. Like, you know, there's a lot of that in film and television where people tell instead oh, they, of show. Yeah. They like over explain. Yeah. Like yeah. that movie. I'm sure I've talked about it. The movie that I watched that I did not finish with Josh Duhamel. Oh, where yeah. Where it was like everything. It's like the elevator stopped. It's like, yeah, I fucking saw it. You don't have to say it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, um, or like, yeah, like if he's just trying to add word count. Yeah. So I am going to get the third one because there's five of them. And at the end of this book, it kind of ripped my heart out of my chest a little bit. So you like. So I have to keep reading the yeah. third one. But I'm really... There's a potential to not finish the full series. Right. <laughs> if it continues if to it be continues this way. If it continues to be this repetitive and yeah. scattered. Because, like, I just... I can't. My brain... Doesn't like doesn't that. Doesn't follow it well. No. And so then it just makes it really hard to want to read, even though the story is good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's where I'm at with yeah. that. So I am going to pick up the third one. Um, either today or tomorrow, and I'm going to start reading that. I have not read any more of any of the other books that I've been reading. Mm. Um, I still have Fearless Finances. I've been reading The Actor's Life by Jenna Fisher. Um, and oh my god, that was such a big yawn. That was such a big yawn. Big yawn. Um, so yeah, so that's where I'm at. Yeah. No. Um, I started reading last night, but did not finish reading a book called Sorry Bro. Uh, by uh, Talene Vascuni. Um, and very fascinating to me, it's about um, Armenian-Americans in uh, California. Oh. Um, and the 
the community that exists there and also like so basically the main character is looking for a husband um because she's just been proposed to by her longtime boyfriend but she immediately at when he proposes is like oh i don't know i don't want this great um but feels incapable of saying no and so basically just is like can i have more time Mm. and he's about to go away anyway um and then he uh so she goes to her mom and she's like let let me go to this conference that's happening it's called explore armenia right um and so she goes to some of the social things to kind of meet armenian men in the um community but it's um actually a sapphic story so she meets another woman in the Mm. armenian community and just immediately is like attracted and like can't stop thinking about her and like so I'm only like a third of the way in maybe like half the way in it's really good so far but I'll talk about it more in depth next week next week (laughs) oh nice it's good um that kind of reminds me like just because you said sapphic um there was a video project that Mm -hmm. um Hannah Cochran she's a dance teacher at House of Eights oh yeah um ran I think it was earlier like January yeah, I think so. Um, and um, it was a film project, and it was just released. And it is so sapphic. And it's so good. Wonderful. Yeah, and I'm so sad that I didn't... Like, I just couldn't do it. The the The, Timing the schedule whatever, just yeah. didn't work really well. Um, and I'm really sad. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm doing the next one, because this one was just so good. <laughs> um, but it's on the House of Eights um, Instagram, at House of Eights. Um, if you want to check it out. And eights is spelled out. Yeah, eights is spelled out. E-I-G-H-T-S. Um, but it's, oh, the choreography is just so good and so sweet. And, like, so the reason, because, um, someone, I think many people shared it and they were just like, oh, my sapphic dream. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was just really sweet. Yeah, so both of the characters in this, both of, like, the main characters. Did I cut you off? No. Oh. It just reminded me of something. Both of the main characters are bisexual, so it's been Mm. really interesting because, like, she, uh, the main character, Nara, Nare, I'm going to look it up. This is part of why I didn't want to talk about it. Oh, yeah. I'm going to look it up. Um, Because I did find an interview with the author where she says the name. So I'm going to re-listen to that and come back. But the main character um, talks about how she's only ever been with men visibly. Like, in college, she definitely, like, um, had relationships and et cetera. But nothing, like, long-term, nothing in front of her parents. Like, her parents don't know that Mm -hmm. she's bisexual. Um, And basically, like... She has really internalized beliefs that you can't be gay in the Armenian community, mm. uh, which is a thing in many cultures where being gay has been, you know, outlawed, literally illegal. Yeah. Some places it still is. And so, Some like... Some places it's becoming. And also just um, in... In a lot of cultures, it's really important to be part of the community. And so if you're ostracized by the community because you're gay, like that, also you're losing your family, your friends, your community. Like, so it's really hard to, you know, yeah, accept those things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, 
but it looks like it's going to be really cute. No, I'm not looking forward to the angst of I'm not ready to come out to my parents because that's definitely going to be a part of this mm. is like she's going to have to inevitably tell her mother, hey, I'm in love with Erbuni. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was funny. One of my friends put a just like a fun poll on Instagram the other day and was like, so I have this theory that women who are late diagnosed as ADHD uh, are also bisexual. <laughs> Please rate yourself on the following. And it was like, I'm bi and have ADHD. I'm just bi. I just have ADHD. And I think it was like 83% or I don't yeah. know, maybe it wasn't that high. But um, it was definitely skewed higher for the ADHD and bi. Yeah. And so she was like, not conclusive, but apparently among my friends. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um, no, I also think that a large portion of the queer community is also nar- neurodivergent. Neurodivergent? Yeah. Narrow divergent. Narrow They're the unicorns of the sea. Yes. Yes, we are. Wow. Um, My brain today is just like... Like, it is... That's fine. Um, Having a time. So, hilariously, I thought about this, and I just remembered it. I thought about this when you were talking about having the conversation with your mom about ADHD. Yeah. Um, Last night, I was talking to my mom. Such a mistake. I know, right? (laughs) Um, Last night, I was talking to my mom, and... uh, she was saying, oh, I got... Because they just got back from Florida. Right. And so they were I, gone. Yeah, yeah, they were gone for two weeks. So I went over and I and I saw... Mom. Came back to snow. <laughs> Came back to snow. I know. Um, and she was like, oh, I got hooked on the show Perfect Match. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, one of my students is watching that. And she's like, what? Your student shouldn't be watching that. And I was like, why? <laughs> I was like, isn't it just like a house about all these people like trying to find their perfect match? And she's like... Yeah, but they're just, like, having sex and talking about having sex and, like, sleeping around with each other. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And she's like, well, just, like, the sloppy seconds. And I'm like, mom, are they consenting? Consenting Well, Well, yeah. And I'm like, then it's fine. Yeah, but they're just, they're sleeping with everybody. Like, there's no, there's no monogamy or anything. I'm like, okay, are they consenting adults? Yeah. Well, then it's fine. Yeah. They all understand what's going on. It's not like they're like, (laughs) they don't know. Right? Like, it's not like (laughs) someone went in there expecting monogamy and all of a sudden it's not monogamy. Like, that's not what's happening. The idea of the show is to literally find your perfect match. Right. And in most cases, sex is a very important part of finding a perfect match. Yeah. And so we got on that whole conversation and I was like, mom... Just because... Because you, you know, find it uncomfortable. Yeah, because, like, she she started talking about... Because I think Andrew Andrew threw out the statistic that... Um, which I want to look up and verify because I don't think it's accurate. <laughs> but he said, statistically, most men have had 10 sexual partners. And I'm like... That's... That's it? <laughs> like, that's... Like... <laughs> And so mom was like, well, I didn't have that many. She's like, your father had that many, but I think I only had one or two. And I was like, okay, mom, just because that's how you dealt, like, went about your life doesn't mean that someone who went about it in a different way is wrong. So it's like, I I was just like, no, stop the sexual shame. So apparently from... 
super drug online doctor. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Says when it comes to the number of partners, our female respondents average seven during their lifetimes, while men average 6.4. I'm at 20. I'm at when? (laughs) Oh, good. So our average is 10. Our average is great. (laughs) But that's the problem with averages, right? Right? Is like, I'm (laughs) out here fucking. Yeah. So that, because I said that. Skewing the average, right? And apparently I am too. Because um, I said that to mom. I'm like, man, I've had 20. And, and mom was like, yes, yeah. slut. And I was like, mom. Stop it. Like, stop, yeah, stop, stop it. it. Oh no, but like, don't slut shame Right? Me. I'm like, mom, like, why is that a problem? This one is from mindbodygreen.com. I love mindbodygreen. I spent so much time on that website um, when I used to work in investors group. average number for most people is between four and eight. Um, but a 2000... 18 study found men reported to having sleeping uh wait what found men reported having an average of 26 sexual partners before settling down that sounds more for women the average was 19 oh okay perfect yeah i'm right on the average see i know that i'm an outlier yeah i mean people don't do this these days um and it wasn't even my intention let's be clear yeah uh it just happened so you know you're not mad about it well, I was gonna say you're not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. Right. I am slightly disappointed because yeah. we are in a monogamous relationship, yeah. and we have talked about uh, ethical non-monogamy before, but we're just not at that point of exploring that physically. Right. Um. That just it's still gonna require so many more conversations. Um. But I did read some books like The Ethical Slut, which was really really fascinating. Um. Jeanette Harry and Hardy, sorry, and somebody else can't remember um and i read a couple of other like um ethical non-monogamy books so um and just to be clear that is a newer term well not like newer dossie easton yes um so it's not like a newer term but it is the more accepted term in the polyamory community which one ethical Ethical non-monogamy um so yeah yeah but yeah you so know i was just like mom so i even said i was like don't yuck someone else's yum exactly I'm you like, don't have to you, like it i even said i was like just because you want a vanilla existence in your sex life does that's not mean. fine that is totally okay and then andrew goes okay i'm stopping this conversation right now <laughs> <I'm> like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's like, one oh, of those God. things where like i find it so difficult to talk to my parents Mostly just my mother, because I don't really talk to my dad. But, like, <laughs> I find it so difficult to talk about my sex life. Um, because it was, it's so, so not something that you talked about. Um, no. Like, we all knew my sister was having sex with her boyfriend when she was, like, 16. But, like, we didn't talk about it. <laughs> Even when I brought up, like, birth control and tampons, my yeah. dad got visibly uncomfortable. Yeah, I made the comment that I was on birth control, like, when I started dating, like, around the time I started dating Tristan, and that was basically me telling my mother I was having sex. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> literally. Yeah. So, um, it's always been a really uncomfortable conversation, especially because we're Christian. So, it's really mm. very much, like, you don't have sex before marriage, you don't talk about sex with your kids like anytime that you talk about sex it's in the relationship of a marriage Mm -hmm. and so like my mom said to me once this is a direct quote 
<laughs> well, you've slept with him, so you're essentially married. <laughs> so, like... Uh, <laughs> but, like, as also someone who... Um, was too scared in some ways to explore sexual relationships with women, but as somebody who's very attracted to women, like being monogamous sometimes chafes a little bit because I'm like, well, now I'm never going to experience this. Like, wait, I have to wait till Tristan dies? Like, <laughs> great. Great. Or like our inevitable divorce? Like, come oh, on. Stop. <laughs> Oh my god. god. (laughs) Every time I say this to people who know us, (laughs) because we have this long running joke that we're just gonna divorce. We do this thing (laughs) where if someone if (laughs) the other person does something that we don't like, (laughs) we'll start spelling divorce. So um sometimes (laughs) he'll like make a funny joke and I'll just go, You're at sea. (laughs) Like (laughs) with the idea of like, you know, like horse, like the basketball. Yeah, if you you have one chance. One chance. Um, <laughs> so we, we joke about this all the time, but also both of our parents are separated. Both of them, like my parents are technically divorced, but like they're divorced. They're divorced. Um, and everything but legal. Yeah. So like both of our parents are divorced. Um, and so like, we just want to be realistic about the fact that this could happen. It doesn't feel like it's going to happen at this time in our lives. Like we're right. very much in love. But, like, you don't know what the future holds. So we make a lot of these jokes. But every time we do, we get the, like, eye rolls and the, like, okay. <laughs> okay, Brianna, you're inevitable to Yeah, like, <laughs> right? It's like, all right. Then. All right. Yeah. Um, because all I right, do. Th- all right. <laughs> I do think a lot of our friends kind of think of us as, like, not, like, the perfect couple, but, like, like a solid couple. Yeah. Like, someone who's not going to leave each other. So. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but it's also those things where, like, when we're talking about ethical non-monogamy, like, um, who do we tell? Who who gets to be in the know of what's happening in our personal lives? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I don't want someone coming to me and saying, like, I saw Tristan cheating on you. Right. Because then I have to be like, uh, no. Actually. But at the same time, like. Yeah, because then, like, it would also limit what you could do relationally outside. Yeah. Like, are you allowed to hold hands with someone in the shopping mall? Yeah. And that, they talk a lot about that in The Ethical Slut, where they talk about, like, how you make boundaries, like, how do you, like, um, there's a lot of different ways to be ethically non-monogamous. Like, um, you can have hierarchical mm. relationships, which tend to cause problems, because, like, in a hierarchical relationship, like, I would be with Tristan, and then everyone else that we would be with is, like, secondarily important. Right. And so that causes resentment in your other partners. Um, And, like, you know, there's just, like, fluid where, like, it doesn't really matter as long as you're safe, like, you know. But then there's also the consideration of like fluid sharing like are you wearing condoms and dental dams like are you doing that kind of thing or are you not so yeah it's a lot of conversations yeah and like we may never right explore outside of monogamy we may just be monogamous for the rest of our lives but we may so who knows what the future holds and i know my talk about it yeah my sister was for a small period of time she was dating two people at the same time and my mom was confused yeah 
um, struggled a little bit to understand and accept. Because those two people did not date each other. Uh, not at the start. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, and then they did, and then it ended very violently. So, you know, life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, Tiffany, if you didn't want me to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, I think that our generation uh, is very accepting about people in mm. large for the most part um but mm. i think that it's harder for older generations even though they had like the you know 70s free love yeah. kind of situation like not everyone participated in that no no and it's like i watched it i don't know if i sent it to you but it was like a video um talking about the history of transgender people um, oh, going back yeah, to like non-binary. BC. Oh, non-binary. Sorry, non-binary yeah. people going back to 2000 BC, and, and it's like from the beginning right, of written language, right? Like, like written history. Like non-binary people have always been here, yeah, and will always continue to be here. So fuck off. So fuck <laughs> off about it, right? Like, yeah. Ugh. And that's how I feel as well. It's one of those things where. When I say I don't care, it's not like I'm trying to invalidate who you are. It's just I don't care. Like, like that's the least interesting thing about yeah, you. Yeah, like, it doesn't it and, doesn't make me treat you any differently. No. And not to mean, like, you know, Which, it's not interesting, but it's just, but, like, not something that has to factor into my relationship with you. I feel like, I feel like what I just said is kind of like, you know how people are like, oh, I don't see color. And yeah. it's like, no, but we do have to see it. Because of all of the inequities and everything like that. And so it's like, yeah, we do have to see non-binary and transgender and and that sort of thing. We have to see it. But But it it doesn't doesn't limit who you're going to talk, like, who you're going to associate with. And it doesn't have to, like, change how you interact with them. No. Other than potentially, like... Pronouns Not causing more trauma. Right, yeah. (laughs) You know. You know. But... You don't have to be transphobic or racist... You know? Yeah. Anyway. Right? Like, don't do it. Just don't Just do don't. It. Just don't you know? do it. Yeah. How easy is that? Right? Fuck. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna lie. I'm feeling a little, like, hmm. A little run down. A little run down? Yeah. You wanna stop now? I think, yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. It was a, it was a rowdy hour. It was a rowdy yeah. hour. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on our social media. Yep. Um, at Books and Bisexuals. At Nikki.Rose.Martin. At BLS underscore poetry. Why did I almost forget my own? I don't know. Um, and on all of the on things. On all our listening platforms. <laughs> Spotify, Google, CastBox, uh, Apple, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Amazon. Mm-hmm. We're really it. getting out there. Yeah, I think that's it. And actually, I think Spotify now owns Anchor or Anchor and Spotify. I don't know. When I go on Anchor now, it's like Anchor and Spotify. Or I, don't, I don't know. But anyway, uh, it's the same thing. Yeah. So... Yeah. Oh. Um, yes. Just because, like, I want to check. <laughs> How many views? Episode, episode seven. seven. <laughs> How many poor, listens? Poor little episode seven. No one likes it. No one likes it. Um, oh, this is six. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Literally, no one. Has no listened one to this. has listened to it. But we've got sixty-one on episode. That's one. so nice. That's so nice. Yeah, six. That's really Thank funny. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, With folks. the exception of episode six, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. Maybe we should change the title. <laughs> I don't know. What's the trigger warning in episode six? Uh, episode seven? Or seven. Well, it's don't fuck with the supernatural. Yeah, but did we put a trigger Talk of death warning? and suicidal ideation, gagging sounds, and talks of spiders. <laughs>
okay. So uh, it's probably fair. part of that. Yeah. yeah. That's probably. <laughs> People are like, oh no, thank you. Yeah. Um, but like every uh, like episode <laughs> ten has eight plays, and then everything else is in double digits. Yeah. So oh. all of that to say, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, we love we love sharing with you. This is great. This is great. I love it. Fantastic. Yeah, our average has um, gone up. This episode is going to be called The Answer to Everything because it's episode 42. And that's from Douglas Adams. Oh, my God. Why do I not remember what this is called? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I never read it. Oh. Yeah. No. But it's like a thing in it. I think so. I did know. Like, The Answer to Everything is 42. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've heard that, but I've never read it. I have also never read it, but Tristan owns it, so... Oh, Could well. be a potential read sometime in the future. I don't know. I'm probably not going to. Anyway. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We love you. Goodbye. Bye.